The Living Strong Podcast. The Living Strong Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. My name is Kim Sellers. And uh, once again, we thank you so much for joining us. Now, this is a chance for many of us living with multiple sclerosis, an opportunity to talk about different issues, different subjects, different things that are important that affect us. Then sometimes that means just simply listening to someone's story. Then our guest today is um, a wonderful young lady. She is a mother. She is a wife. She is a daughter. She is a professional. Then she too is someone living with a mess. Donna Carter, welcome so much. Welcome. Yes, thank you, Kim, for inviting me. You know, so let, let's go back. Donna, let's first of all, before we even go into being diagnosed, tell us a little bit what it was like for you growing up. Well, I, I grew up in um, Southern Ohio in what we call the growing up. region. Uh, so I was a, uh, a, a young female uh, with three siblings, and I grew up on a farm, and um my parents uh, raised me with uh, definitely values of faith and family and friends and fun. And I, looking back, you know, miss sometimes the quietness of the country settings. You know, in yeah, in the hustle and bustle of the world, you start to miss it at times. Wow. So, um, did you play sports? Any sports? Any extracurricular activities? Yes, um, I did. I, I I played the trumpet and I played uh, basketball, and I loved to run, but I never had an opportunity to really be on the track team. But in a lot of my classes and stuff, I was the fastest person in the class. Even a lot of times beating the boys, which was my greatest uh, accomplishment. Oh, look at it, beating the boys. <laughs> So I guess I'm a bit competitive when oh, I think about it. Oh, I love it. it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, two older brothers. I had two older brothers, so I think maybe they might have taught me that, right? <laughs> so you sound like you were like me because I'll tell you, my brother took some butt whoopings. Yeah. Plenty of days. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and I was, you know, the oldest girl next the two boys so we have two boys and two girls and so as I think back now about my big brothers you know I'm sure there were times they took it easy on me but it did make me competitive because I did enjoy beating them when I could I love it I love it so when did you start to notice that something may be a little different um Really, probably in my 20s, that I started becoming concerned about my health. But as 
you know, now when you have the illness and you look back, you have a different perspective, right? So there were times that I actually started having problems as, as a late teenager where my mother actually started looking into what could potentially be um, the, the problem. I was evaluated if possibly I might have sickle cell. I was mm. looked at if I could have maybe lupus. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis does run in my family. Um, but when I, uh, and, and that was when I was a, a teenager because I kept having some problems with my legs and feeling and things going numb. Okay. But then around um, 18, I actually started having a, a, a recurrent episode of, of what was then diagnosed as pleurisy. But now I know hmm. is is the MS hug where your torso is stiff and swollen and painful um, mm. because following getting treatment, uh, those symptoms have subsided quite a bit, if, if that makes sense. But I was getting it uh, in a recurrent basis and I was being treated then with uh, anti-inflammatories. But as I started through my 20s, I started questioning why am I continually having this come back every so many months randomly. And, um, you know, it was puzzling because I felt like something was wrong and nobody else felt that way. <laughs> Were you able to talk with doctors and be very candid about what you were dealing with? Um, you know, I did talk to the doctors, but I... I, um, I, I felt like there was always a reason for it, if that makes sense. And it was this reason mm -hmm. or that reason or this reason. It wasn't really looking at it holistically. They were basically looking at the symptom that I came in with that day. Um, and then as I progressed in my 30s, I'm the one that kind of started and initiated the conversation came around. There's something going on that is impacting me um, mm -hmm. overall. It's not just that my foot is numb today or when I would try to drive home from work, you know, I would have pins and needles and I don't know, you know, I grew up on a farm. So the only way I could describe it to the doctors is if you've ever been um, like gotten a hold of an electric fence, I would put one arm down and drive with the other until that arm stopped bothering me and then I would switch mm. arms to drive home because of the electric shock through my fingers and in through my arm. Um, but, you know, I was saying something's got to be related of why am I having problems moving? Um, you know, why am I worse, you know, um, right. at night when I try to get up and go to the bathroom and I, I feel like I can't get out of the bed or I can't move or why am I falling? Right. Um, and, you know, to me, those things were not normal for a person my age. Um, but to others, they were fine. You know what I mean? It was painted as maybe it was just in my head or, you know, it was an of isolated course. incident. Of course. Um, I'm, you're clumsy, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, yep. it becomes a joke. Um, to me, it wasn't a joke. And, and one one specific thing that caught my attention is I went on a, a date 
with my husband and we went to the movies and after sitting for a couple hours in the movie he got up we got up to leave right and he walked out and Kim I could not move out of the chair get out of here I couldn't get to my feet I couldn't get my feet to work and it was very alarming to me right because I'm looking for something is not right and the professionals that I was working with were kind of painting a different picture to my support system that you know there wasn't anything there and so at times I didn't know what to believe I didn't know to believe myself or you know to believe what they were telling me all I knew is something was really wrong and the more I thought about it the more I worried about it You were diagnosed how long ago? I was diagnosed in 2009 at this point. I've uh, um, uh, been working on surviving uh, MS uh, for 13 years. And, um, you know, I'm blessed. And I'm blessed, in in my opinion, from all of the new research that has been done on medications and treatment options. Because I have, uh, yeah, I have a drug that I respond very well to. And I have been on it now for 12 years. And, Good for um, you. And even though it's an inconvenience from the perspective that once a month I have to go in and have an infusion, I take the fibre. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blessed to be on it. Um, the first year that I was diagnosed, though, I was put on Rebif. And about nine months into the injectab- injectables, I did reject them through my uh, mm. liver test, and I had to be taken gotcha. off, and then, of course, advanced up into the infusion arena. Mm. But once we made that step, I actually started feeling better. And I think at that point, that is when I felt like there was hope, or that I could do this, or that I could battle it. Right? Um, you know, I said to you earlier that I was competitive. <laughs> So, you know, right, to me, right. it, it's all about this is an obstacle in your way and you need to find a way to get over it. And, and there is a bigger purpose as to why you have it and and why you need to be able to address it. You know, I'm a pretty positive person and I wanted to be able to be an example for other people. I realized, right. that, you know, my daughters were watching me. Right, and I wanted to be speaking of your speaking of your daughters. How is that you talked about responding well? How has your family responded to your changes? Well, at, at first, I think they were more scared than anything, you know, because they were one was in college and one was a teenager at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have girls, I think, too, because I think they are uh, a little bit more in tune with uh, being a, a female and some of the challenges that just come with being a female uh, related to healthcare and health things. So they're very helpful. Um, but I, I, I struggled um, at first letting them help me. I felt like I was losing my independence, gotcha. Kim. And I Oh, I understand. And I and I pushed them away 
and I wanted to push them away and that was wrong. I, you know, I needed to let them in and let them help where they could and embrace that. Right. And once I got to that point, it helped my relationship with my husband because I don't think he knew what to do, but because I was battling it, you know, I was um, pushing back. I didn't want to accept it and I didn't want to lose that independence that I had to even allow my family to help me in ways that they could. Now they've been a great help, but there's things that, you know, um, I had to let go of, you know, being a professional driven, uh, educated woman, you know, I I ran my home. Mm -hmm. I did everything. I was able to do everything for myself. And it was a shock for me to have to slow down and actually allow others to do things for me. And I appreciate Is that the most challenging part? Is that the most challenging? What's most challenging? Um, I, um, I think the most challenging part probably for me has been the mental acceptance that there is something wrong. I had to get there before and, and educate myself about it in order to be able to um, know what I was dealing with, right? I was scared. And I'm going to be honest with you, Ken, even though I've had a strong support system, I felt alone in it. Wow. And um, I wasn't, but that's the way I felt, if that made sense. And I even... Mm, Oh, it does. I had that conversation even with God that I know that I'm not alone. I know if nothing else that God is always with me. But I felt so alone in it that other people did not understand what I was describing. And, um, you know, I had people recommend that I go to a support group and those things. But when I was first diagnosed, I really had a hard time with support groups, right? I had a hard time mm-hmm. um, imagining um, what might my life be like. How is it going to change it? And um, how is it going to affect my relationships and my ability to work and my independence and those things? And until I would say I had an opportunity to breathe where I thought I was going to be and accept where I was at, I I really struggled. And um, I became more and more alone for a while, if that makes sense. it does indeed. What are you most hopeful for? Oh, I'm hopeful for for cure. I'm hopeful for more um, medications and treatments. I believe that this is an uh, an illness that we can live and thrive and be strong with, right? I I believe mm-hmm. and are hopeful that we reach other people who are in that place where they're feeling alone. And it's hard to talk to others that haven't experienced what you've experienced. Um, I'm hopeful that we reach them, uh, Kim, in our messages and in our conversation. What would you like to share with someone that's just newly been diagnosed? What would you like to share? I, I would like for them to know that even if they feel alone, they're not alone. Number one. Number two, there's other people who when you describe to them 
what it what what you're going through and what it's like that they truly can understand. They don't just brush you off and they don't say, you know, it's in your head or oh oh you're sick again. They actually know it. I mean, like individuals living within us every day, like like you can I know that when I describe something, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's very it, it, it's yeah, very hard to do. explain that when you can't feel a part of your body that um, it's very hard to move that part of your body or or the next moment you're in so much pain mm-hmm. and discomfort that you can't sleep or sit or that you hurt so much that you don't even want your spouse to touch you. Um, I mean, I never thought a hug could mm-hmm. hurt, but there's days when a hug hurts me. Ooh, and I, I don't, yes. I don't mean to be mean or push people off, but there's days that I said, please just don't touch me for a minute, okay? Because it's hard, um, and. I, I would tell those individuals that you're not alone. There is a large number of people who understand it, but because we become isolated and we become scared, we don't always seek out those individuals, those individuals that can understand it. I get it that my husband and my kids can't understand what it means when I say it hurts for you to touch me, you know, because they touch me because they love me, right? And, and I, I want them to, but I also know that there's some days that I'm so in so much discomfort that I can't stand it. And I need them to back off to submit a bit, if that makes sense. It does, you know, 15 minutes goes by so fast. So I apologize, but I'm going to give you one word. I need you to describe yourself. In one word, what would it be? Compassionate. Nice, nice, nice. And for those of you out there, that is just an awesome word. Remember, if you or someone you know has been living with multiple sclerosis, even if it's an autoimmune, one of the other 82 different autoimmune diseases, compassion is so important just remember we share our stories and know that our stories could be yours and that's why we like to share and hopefully make someone else feel better about their life Donna Carter thank you so much for joining us my name again is Kim Sellers always log on to our website kimsellersfoundation.org And um, don't forget, you can always like, share, comment, and then let us know that you have been following us. And we know that we'd love to hear from you. You can always get this podcast wherever podcasts are available. Kim Sellers of Living Strong. Until the next time.